Excellent. Well, I am going to bring a word today. just want to pray first. Oh, Father, I just thank you that you are the treasure. You're the treasure that our heart seeks and our heart longs for. And in you is every fulfillment. And God, I just ask right now for a manifestation in this room of your treasury. And I thank you, God, for the cloud of witnesses. We thank you today for Solomon and for Daniel. And God, may this message come from that place in the treasury that you want to impart to your people today. In Jesus' name, amen. So the treasury is the thread I want to go into. Um, so God's been talking to me about the treasury room but, and blueprints. And so today is going to be a thread um, starting with Solomon and then into Daniel. And as I started to dig, there were so many trails <laughs> um, in the words. So I'm not going to apologise uh, there's going to be a lot of the word up here today because there's a thread that I want you to see. It's the history um, of the generations and why it's important to actually see the thread of just how Jesus has woven everything together. And so, so I make no apologies. There's going to be a lot of scripture today. So even starting with, with Daniel, um, the first king of Judah that was raided um, in the time of Daniel. So Nebuchadnezzar comes in and he raids. And then the second king, so that was in Daniel 1, verse 1 to 2, but I'm not going to read it out. Um, but then in the reign of the next king of Judah, we see this. So 2 Kings 24, verse 13 to 14. So this is Nebuchadnezzar. He also brought out from there all the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house. And he smashed all the articles of gold that Solomon, king of Israel, had made in the temple of the Lord, just as the Lord had said. Then he led into exile all the people of Jerusalem and all the commanders and all the valiant warriors, 10,000 exiles and all the craftsmen and the smiths. Where's Kyle? None were left except the poorest people of the land. Now, we all know that Daniel was one of these men that was led out into Babylon during the reign of Nebuchadnezzar. But this is a fulfillment of this prophecy. So in Isaiah 39, verse 2, Hezekiah was pleased and let them see all his treasure house, the silver, the gold, the balsam oil, the excellent olive oil, his entire armory and everything that was found in his treasuries. There was nothing in his house nor in all his realm that Hezekiah did not let them see. And then moving down to verse five, it says, so this is in the days of Isaiah. Isaiah comes in and prophesies. Isaiah then said to Hezekiah, hear the word of the Lord of armies. Behold, the days are coming when everything that is in your house and what your fathers have stored up to this day will be carried to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. And some of your sons who will come from you, whom you will father, will be taken away. And they will become eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, this blows my grid, the word of the Lord which you have spoken is good. For he thought, there will be peace in, and truth in my days. So I'll get to that down the track, but hold on to that thought. So then I want to jump to Daniel, verse 1, 3 to 4. Then the king told Ashpenaz, the chief of his officials, to bring in some of the sons of Israel including some of the royal family and of the nobles, youths in whom there was no impairment, who were good-looking, suitable for instruction, every kind of expertise, endowed with understanding and discerning knowledge, and who had ability to serve the king's court. And he ordered Ashpenaz to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. So just as the Lord said, so a hundred year, over a hundred years prior, Isaiah prophesies this would happen. He says that they will be led into captivity. So Babylon came and they 
so the Babylonians come and they take them into exile because the hearts of the people had moved so far away. They took the treasury. So in, um, in doing so, Nebuchadnezzar was not only trying to prosper Babylon, he was also in that moment trying to strip Jerusalem of their ability to prosper because all they were left with was the poor. And I dare say the poor being left there now didn't have the treasury, didn't have the wealth, and didn't have the know-how or knowledge to tap into the true treasure. So they didn't now know how to prosper in that land. Now, when we talk about treasury, sometimes we just think of the gold and the silver. But when I broke down the meaning of the word treasury, treasury is the gold and the silver, but it's also storehouse, store, supplies of food or drink, magazine of weapons, God's armory, storehouses of God in rain, snow, hail, wind, and sea. This is what we're talking about when we're talking about the treasury. So the treasure was not just this physical realm, it was physical items, it was also what was stored up in the people of God. It was what was in the Daniels. It was what provided the, uh, the wealth and the provision to give great understanding about what true treasure is, how to seek it out, and then how to manifest it um, in, in this world. They understood that fruitfulness, prosperity and solutions came when they went into his presence. That no matter the elements, whether it was you know, rain, hail, shine or war, whatever it was, there was always, always God's provision for the way through. So this was laid out from the days of Solomon. I do believe it was birthed in the heart of David, but I am taking the thread from Solomon. But obviously there's, you know, there's others in the Bible, but we just, I'm just hanging on to this thread. So don't think that there's not other threads of the treasury, but this is the one I'm going after today. So there's types and there's principles in the Bible that are not just stories. Sometimes we look at it as they're just stories, testimonies of things that God did in the past. But I truly, truly believe there's an invitation here today for the anointing and the understanding of Solomon and Daniel and the treasury. So we have to grab a hold of it. So in Solomon's heart was the desire for God first and foremost. He understood that the true treasure was in him. So it always comes from that place. And so when we read in 2 Chronicles, we all know the story, so I won't, un, I won't read through all of the scripture, but it, 2 Chronicles 1.10, now give me wisdom and knowledge so that I may not go out and come in before this people, for who may, may go out and come in before this people, for who can rule this great people of yours? And then God not only gives him knowledge and wisdom, he also then gives him the riches, the wealth, and the honour because his heart was in the right place. And we see that completely manifest in Solomon's life. It was fulfilled in the amassing such great wealth. And when we talk about all wisdom, I, I wanna bring the definition of wisdom. Intellect, skillful, artful, cunning, wise-hearted. And in the definition of understanding, prudence, intelligence, by implication, success, discretion, knowledge, sense, wise, and discernment. And why was he able to manifest all that? Because his heart was about the needs of the people. His heart was for the people to prosper. He knew the true treasure, and then he knew how to then make that treasure manifest in and through the people. God built every, God, Solomon built everything by God's dimensions. He gave blueprints on how to set up the temple, how to set up the house, how to, how to build everything. And so he was continuously bringing um, those blueprints and then bringing dedication, bringing the, um, the items into the treasury, the storehouse of God. He was um, prayerful, he was bringing sacrifices. And you see that the fire of God comes on that. And what do we see? In the house and the temple, the glory of, the God, glory of God manifests in those dimensions. 
in the treasury of what God wanted to like come in and say, this is available if you build with me. So the invitation is that we must build with him in the same way. Listening for his dimensions, listening for what, what is this gonna look like through my world? So that he can fill our house and fill you know, the, the surrounds of the things that we're connected to. And then Solomon spends the next 20 years building cities to settle the people of Israel in. So he's concerned about the, the people and how, you know, I've built the temple and I've built the house of the Lord and now I am concerned that the, we have to build cities for the people to, to live within. And not only just cities, he then builds storage cities. These were places of very strategic means that needed to be set up so that, that, that um, the people could prosper. He builds cities of storage and he builds cities that are fortified. So it's not that nothing was ever gonna come against them, that there was never gonna be some level of drought. There was capacity set up for the people to prosper in the midst of whatever came their way, that they were fortified, that no one could come in, that they had the storage and the provision when no one else in the lands around them had it. And then another key was that he also, it says he didn't take slaves for the work, for, for the work from the sons of Israel. He understood the principle of not enslaving the people to see the manifestation of these cities being established. That he wasn't gonna put his people into slavery for that sake. And that his God is still works in that way. He doesn't want the children of God to live in a place of slavery. We have to see ourselves as the leader. This is, this is a key point. We've gotta see what's in us, the treasury and the warrior and the, you know, all the things that, that Solomon saw in his people, the people of Israel, that we have to see that come up and through our own lives. That we're not in a you know, current, looking a little bit like a Babylon <laughs> system, that we're not you know, fatalistic in, okay, well, just give me, grant me peace in the midst of being in Babylon. No, give me solution and the treasury to bring forth what's needed in this city. So you see with Solomon, you get queen, the Queen of Sheba, which we've all probably read this before, but I'm gonna read some of it again today. So she comes to visit him after hearing of his wisdom. And so, uh, 2 Chronicles 9, verse two. Solomon answered all her questions. Nothing was hidden from Solomon, which he did not explain to her. When the queen of Sheba had seen the wisdom of Solomon, the house which he had built, the food at his table, the seating of his servants, the attendance of his ministers and the, their attire, his cupbearers and their attire, and his stairway by which he went up to the house of the Lord, she was breathless. Moving down to chapter seven. How blessed are your men, how blessed are these servants of yours who stand before you continually and hear your wisdom. And then she says, he made you king over them to carry out justice and righteousness. She's breathless over the treasury. She's breathless over the wisdom that she sees within Solomon. And then it goes on to Chronicles 9, verse 22 to 23. So King Solomon became greater than all the kings of the earth in wealth and wisdom. And all the kings of the earth were seeking the presence of Solomon, all the kings from all over, to hear his wisdom which God had put in his heart. They were bringing each of them his gift, articles of silver and gold, garments, weapons, balsam oil, horses and mules, so much year by year. He's being sought out. The people of God should be sought out. We should be sought out for our wisdom, for our treasury, for our know-how. There should be an expectation that I have solution. There should also be an expectation of provision. 
The people, when there's something being built, people want to sow their money. I mean, this building completely paid off. By the way, so we have a meeting tomorrow and depending on, well actually, there's a meeting tomorrow and you'll get a text message tomorrow probably about a building. So just keep, ah, uh, uh, no, I didn't say yes or no. I didn't, I didn't say yes or no. But pray for the meeting tomorrow. Anyway, sidetrack, where was I? Um, but an expectation that when you put in the parameters for building, like a moon to mines, the provision comes. The people want to sow into it. The people from outside of this congregation wanting to sow into revival, wanting to sow into the things that God has set up that he wants to do in and through the Moon to Minds Church. So there's an expectation like Solomon that it's almost like magnetic. It's like this, it's a portal really when you actually start to manifest something of that, the spirit, like everything gets drawn into that place. Just like with Solomon, everything gets drawn in because of the building blocks that are established there. So Solomon's heart's turned towards the Lord and for the sake of God's people, God opens up wisdom and understanding that amasses such, great, such a treasury like never seen before and the hearts are turned towards the Lord. And that's a big part of what it, this is about is that people's hearts, like when we build correctly, then people's hearts are drawn into that place. The Queen of Sheba is like, wow, what is this place? That's the presence of the Lord manifesting, even through a staircase. That abundance can be pulled from the nations. And we see in, in Solomon a real manifestation of when the righteous rule, the people rejoice. That's meant for South Australia. So we fast forward, so we take the thread of Solomon all the way to 300 years later. And we find that the people's hearts have now turned away from the Lord. And so Babylon, the Babylonians are able to come and raid and take the land and take the people and take the treasury that's there. So they take the physical treasury, but also they've taken a treasury of wisdom. They've taken the, the likes of Daniel into their own storehouse. Wisdom that's been stored up generation to generation since the time of Solomon. Unfortunately, Hezekiah didn't recognise that the wisdom of, the tr of what was in the treasury was actually out of a manifestation of the people tapping in that this was God's wisdom, God's treasury not to be paraded. And this was the other thread that blew my mind when God said, Solomon and Daniel, that when I was prepping this, I always do a you know, search on the, the name. And, and so Daniel obviously means God. So he's made, you know, commander of the officials. And his name, Daniel, means God is my ju judge. And his new name, Belteshazzar, hard one to get your mouth around, can have two meanings, which is protect the life of the king, or more profoundly, lord of the straightened treasure. So Solomon's treasure finds its way 300 years later into the care of straightened treasure. A man of God is set, set over God's treasure. So even though it was raided and pulled into Babylon, God set his man, straightened treasure, the man of God trusted over the treasure house within Babylon. And not only that, he becomes the treasure 
in the wisdom that's required for Nebuchadnezzar. All the while being in captivity. And not only did Straton's treasure, Daniel, become the one, he also became the one that was the catalyst for the people of Israel being released from captivity. That he sees in the word 70 years, the prophecy of 70 years and then the people would be released. He sees that and he goes, this is invitation. We've got to make the crooked ways straightened. We need to see the treasure, God's treasured people, to be returned to their homeland. And so he petitions the Lord, prayers, supplication, and what do we see? We see Cyrus risen up to release the people to go back to their homeland. This is what Straton's treasure looks like, in captivity. So there's no excuses for what we can and can't do in a season when it looks a little bit like Babylon. (laughs) Not all of it, just some of it. But Nebuchadnezzar started to realise that the real treasury was in the people who were tapping into this supernatural wisdom and intelligence to help prosper the nation. So Daniel 1.17, as for these four youths, God gave them knowledge and intelligence in every branch of literature and wisdom. Daniel even understood all kinds of visions and dreams. And then in uh, verse 20, as for the every matter of expertise and understanding about which the king consulted them, he found them 10 times better than all the soothsayers, priests and conjurers were in all his realm. So yes, it's God given. Now granted, a lot of this intelligence, study and skills was passed down um, passed down from generation to generation. But when someone comes with a heart of consecration and uh, prays like they did, the four of them, you are gonna tap into knowledge beyond what you know, far more than any scholar is going to be able to tell us. This is a deep understanding of heavenly realities and what is needed for change and prosperity for a land and its people. And it's a realm that is available to us today. These were men that obviously were so reliant on God, even to the point of, you know, (laughs) death, threatened by the lion's dead or the fiery furnace. And they were found to have 10 times more knowledge, 10 times better in every matter I think we disqualify ourselves based on our own intelligence when the the intelligence that's available is 10 times on every matter. When we lean into that place of his treasury and what he has for solutions. This is needed in this day. And, you know, just a real understanding of every branch of literature where we're able to see how things connect and how to bring solution when it comes to inventions, policies, ideas, resources, there are those things in the treasury to be able to pull on for our people to flourish. And this isn't just in a context of parliament, this is in relation to all of the mountains. We're also called to have the ability to understand dreams and visions and and do interpretations so that people know what God is saying. So in this instance, these men, all four of them, were able to operate in this understanding and they're promoted. So Daniel lands as the ruler of the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over the wise men of Babylon. So when we seek him, when we seek his counsel, God makes a way to reveal mysteries to us and makes a way for favour and influence. And all of this was in the system of governance that wasn't his homeland 
and the people around him are not walking with the Lord. So we can't underestimate where God wants to place us. Now I know um, there's been such a testimony even in the context of politics and what we've been seeing is that God is making a way where favour to speak in strategy, speak in interpretation of dreams and vision, this is happening. That we're speaking into people of influence and giving them interpretations of dreams and visions. God is making a way, we've seen it already. God wants to make the way for wisdom to sit in the gate. And that's not gonna come external to the body of believers. It won't come that way. It has to come through us. Now, I've been challenged, believe that people have said to me that when it came to the political way, you know, the way that we've engaged the political stuff, the government mountain, I've had people say to me that um, it's a demonic trading floor and we should have no part of it. And you know what? I'm always looking for biblical precedent. I'm looking for what does the Bible say about that? So we find in Daniel precedent where he's elevated in a corrupt, woke, ungodly um, government and God puts him into that place, elevates him to bring change within it. And then he brings along the administrative support in you know, the Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Here's your administrative support, more men who are able to tap into the wisdom of God because their hearts are consecrated before him. God's using the same strategy. He's asking us to take the government mountain, but he's also asking us to sit across all seven mountains that we need to start seeing the raising up of the Daniels and the Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego's all in support of what's needed for this nation to turn around. So while, like he prospered Daniel, he wants to prosper us in that place too. So Nebuchadnezzar is a king who's a non-believer, but those signs and wonders caused his extension of protection to come over the exiles. It caused them to prosper and to be promoted. So this is available to us. We can operate within a Babylonian system and expect to influence it. And another thing that's profound is Daniel speaks truth within a corrupt system, things that don't appear to be encouraging, especially if you were Nebuchadnezzar, but brought about the plumb line of God. He held them to account. This is the word of the Lord. This is the plumb line. In Daniel 4, 27, it says, this is um, Daniel speaking to the king. Therefore, O king, may my advice be pleasing to you. Wipe away your sin by doing righteousness and your wrongdoings by showing mercy to the poor in case there may be a prolonging of your prosperity. Truth bomb. But why is he able to do that? Favor of the Lord consecrated heart that understood where the treasure was. He was able to do it in a respectful way, still an honouring way, but that truth brought alignment. Leaders of our day still need to be held accountable for every wrongdoing and scripturally they're held to account for how they take care of the poor, the widows, the orphans, those that are disadvantaged. So judgment will fall and part of that judgment is us coming to bring judgment and the plumb line of truth, just as Daniel did. Then you see Nebuchadnezzar and he repents and it says that Because he repented, he humbled himself. His throne, sovereignty, splendor, and the kingdom were re-established by God. People started to seek him out for counsel again. But this time now, it's a recognition that this wisdom, this counsel, this treasury was actually out of this world, an unseen realm. So that humility brought about something that was far more substantial. So this is precedent. So this is our invitation. 
These non-believers call on Daniel because they recognised the spirit in him and gave him, that gave him wisdom and insight. They knew it was out of this world. Daniel was treasury because he tapped into the heavenly treasury that contained the answers to difficult problems and enigmas. And so we must as well. So much of the world is searching for answers to very big problems. <laughs> Without God's counsel, we can't truly prosper a state or a nation. To be a sheep nation that we are called to be requires hearts that are surrendered to him and are also looking for his direction and his solutions because they are there. That treasury has the solutions. We have been a sheep nation, punching above our weight for decades centuries. Why? Because there were hearts of the people. It says the righteousness exalts a nation. We were a sheep nation who actually came, had that foundational truth of righteousness. So we thrived. We totally punched above our weight and the nations were drawn to us. This has started to shift because this hasn't Righteousness hasn't been sitting and exalting our nation, but it's time for us to see that turn back around, that we are called to be a sheep nation and we will be that sheep nation. So we're gonna come back to the core values of knowing who's the true treasure and pulling on his solutions for our nation. The righteous Daniels are being risen up in this hour and it's gonna turn the tide in this nation. I totally, totally believe it. So we're commissioned to rule within the seven mountains, often alongside those that are, are not gonna be Christians. And I tell you though, just like Nebuchadnezzar, we will gain their trust when we come with solutions, when we come with things that cause truth to manifest in a way that brings the prosperity, it brings the fruit, it brings the love, it brings the manifestation of peace. We can pull out of that realm to be the change they need so that they then recognise, I, I see something in you that I need to keep to pulling on. So we're called to tap into a treasury to find solutions and manifest his kingdom here on earth prospering even while in captivity. We can expect the same when we do not bow down to any other God and we have no fear of man. When we are leaning into the council of heaven. I wanna quickly reference to something about the government mountain in particular. Some of you might have heard this, um, this vision I saw, um, it was probably about 18 months ago. And in the vision, we were praying, uh, all the Christians were at the, around this tap. And the water that was coming out was, you know, not great water. And the Christians were positioned there and they were praying for the water to stop coming out of that tap. So the Lord then, and then I recognised that that was the Christians basically praying for and praying against policies and ideologies that were coming down the pipeline. And so in the vision, I was like, okay, that's where we're positioned. And I thought, okay, that's where we're positioned. At least we're positioned somewhere. And then in the vision, the Lord shoots me right to the end of the pipeline. And he takes me to the headwaters. And he says to me, I just, I, I can't unsee this invitation. He says to me, this is where you need to be positioned, and when I say me, I mean all of us. This is where I want you positioned to influence what comes down these head waterways that comes into the pipeline that feeds to the people. That if we stay at the tap, we are not gonna have the influence we need to. We need to be the Daniels, we need to be sitting at the end of this pipeline and determining what policies, what resources, what, you know, um, what things that are gonna build the kingdom. 
for the people to be refreshed at the end of the taps that are dry and thirsty and they need to know the truth, which is him. I will, thank you, Robin. (laughs) And then just a couple of months ago, I was taking into this room, which I totally believe was the treasury in heaven. And I realised just how much God wants his people to have the financial provision for scroll. Not just for your individual needs, but for scroll for what's required for this nation. So in this treasury room was the blueprints and the finance, all the treasures that are required to cause this nation to prosper. Now last weekend, we know, went to an election. I got to bed that night and I was troubled. I'd volunteered all day on a booth and went to bed that night and like I was just doing that on the inside because I was like, I'm rattled. Like, God, what, you know, what, what? (laughs) What is happening? Because it's a nation that I don't recognise. Our sheep nation being dragged into the mud and, you know. And so, so for me, I was like, I need, I need something of substance. And then he reminds me of the treasury room. He reminds me of the treasure in him and the leaning into him. And he said, and I had that sense of like, I can't unsee the invitation. That I can't be nervous of who gets in as our prime minister and what that could mean, or our premier and what could that mean. Because I know that the treasury will contain within it solutions for us to come back onto scroll. So. I, not just talking policies that come through government. The Lord, on, so go to bed on election night and the Lord starts talking to me about climate change. And I was like, so I didn't get the solution, but I did get the promise. So the Lord's, so I'm like watching these greens and the teals and, you know, wide-eyed um, and going, God, like, what is the solution? He said, there's solution in, in me to push back on a, an argument that gives no hope, no solution. That I am actually going to teach my people to have solution to know how to redeem creation. And that you are going, not me personally, but there's people that are going to have the revelation of what it looks like to give solutions so that people can see and have a confidence in the earth, confidence in this you know, climate agenda that comes forth that actually has, the reason it's so dangerous is because it comes with no solution and it comes with fear. Whereas the Lord wants to give, a, he never, he he's even says, you know, if, the, um, if there's no vision, the people perish. And so for lack of a vision, the people perish in their fear of what could the world look like, whereas the Lord's saying to us, in my treasury is solution for you to be able to have a vision that people can go, we can build back, we can um, push back in a way that actually is so life-giving that it still instills confidence back into the people of this land. So... So these types of things are sitting in, possibly people within this room had that treasury in you that I know solutions and how, you know, and tapping into what does it look like to redeem creation? What does it look like to turn the land back into the, the, it's, you know, the way that it was meant to, uh, how it was intended, how it was meant to function and bring life and fruitfulness and not destruction. The solutions are there. So there's an excitement in my heart about when we join with him, he's gonna unlock these treasures to fulfill the scroll of this state. I can't unsee it. And Todd and I were talking about this a couple of weeks ago when I started to get the stirring of this message. I'm like, I can't unsee some of the things I've seen. So it's the invitation, there's a substance. Now we just gotta see it manifest. 
and the provision's always gonna be there. Even this example of Jesus, God sends three wise men and it says, then opening their treasure, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And you know, I've always just heard that story and I was like, oh, isn't that sweet? It came with a sweet gift. That's beautiful, like the, as in the gift aspect. I thought there was so much more in the, you know, following the star and wanting to worship, but I'd missed the gift. God had to make a way for Jesus' scroll to be fulfilled. So he sends three, three wise men from the corners of the earth to come follow a star to worship the Lord and then give the gift of provision that was going to be needed for his scroll. This, this is the God we serve. He knows every scroll, every mandate that is in this room and anyone else listening here today. He knows what's on your life. He knows what's on the scroll of this nation. So therefore he has the provision. If he can send three wise men to a baby using a star, he can get the provision into his people when we start to press in for that he's leaning. He's leaning in to hear how, 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 how. How are we going to come up with these solutions and not be pushed back into a place of fear and captivity? And even in the sense of captivity and feeling captive to some of the bigger picture, we're called to be risen up as Daniel's and come with solution. He's got a solution to every problem. And he wants to bless from generation to generation to generation. Hezekiah missed it. Hezekiah pridefully shows that treasury. He didn't recognise that treasure belonged to the people of God who'd carved it out for generations and generations by turning their ear towards the Lord and being tender towards the Father. He missed it. He missed the one who could prosper a nation and cause creation, the land to be fruitful and for the hearts of the people to flourish. He didn't see beyond himself. So he says, the word of the Lord which you have spoken is good. For he thought, for there will be peace in my days. No thought for the generations following. So while God will partner with us for our personal needs, he's far more concerned when we press into the treasure which is him, which actually unlocks our hearts to see that I wanna build his kingdom this isn't just about me, then my heart is open to see whatever treasury is needed for me to partner with a much bigger picture. A picture that could include, what's my part in seeing uh, a transformed state? To put South Australia back into, onto scroll, the pioneering, prosperous, free city that she was always meant to be. Some of you need to start seeing yourselves like Daniel. The solutions to the problems around you are contained in you. And the part of the Daniel company um, mandate is that you're sold out to him because that's the true treasure. Not bowing down to anything else and expect that he's gonna put you um, in a place to be risen up where exactly where you need to be with every blueprint, every provision that's needed. So like Daniel, we can expect God to place us strategically to influence within an ungodly and foreign system. We can take back territory within the system until the day we see the fullness of government looking like his kingdom, because that's the end goal where people truly do prosper, the land prospers, the people prosper, and the hearts of the people are turned back towards the Lord. I don't think we've truly <laughs> understood what the state could look like if righteous people start to govern across the seven mountains. So we have to today accept that invitation. So I absolutely believe that he's calling us to be his treasury in places of great influence. Don't disqualify yourself because he hasn't. 
And obviously, simultaneously, he's stirring revival in the hearts of the people across the state because we are in an exciting time to be a part of this generation and what we're going to see in these coming years. God is on the move, guys, and the invitation's there. So I just want to, if you can get your communion... Father, I just thank you that you are our true treasure. You're the one that our hearts long for. And God, you're our provision. You are everything we need. And so, Father, I thank you that as we take communion today, that we recognise the treasure in you, but also the treasure in us the treasure that is meant to manifest in and through our lives. And God, would you give each one of us an awareness of your treasury, the rooms and that we have invitation to go into, to pull on what's needed to be a solution in this world. So we take this communion and say, thank you, we accept the invitation. Father, I thank you for every scroll in this room that none will be lost. I thank you, God, for the treasure that's going to manifest in and through the people in this room and those listening today. I thank you particularly for those Daniels risen up into places of great influence. I thank you, Father, that you are the one that makes a way, even in a place of captivity. You are going to raise up people from this place to sit in government, to sit in leadership within this nation that would have solutions that would bring forth abundant life for the people in this nation. I thank you, God, that you've called Australia to be a sheep nation. And I thank you that you're gonna raise up the righteous to sit in those gates, to bring wisdom, to bring counsel, to bring every interpretation of dream and vision to the people that are in leadership within our land, in any of those mountains to cause them to lean into our counsel, to cause them to lean into our wisdom and understanding, to realign, to bring correction, to bring the judgment of the Lord so that the plumb line of truth would bring this nation back onto scroll. You're the sheep nation, Australia, and we call you back to that place. And God, we just say to any other entity in any of the other nations, 
that want to raid her, that want to pull from her and raid anything of her treasure, we just say right now, hands off our nation that we won't stand for it, that we sit in this gate as your believers, as your treasury, and we say, just like Daniel, when he saw that in the captivity that he could call that forth, we call that forth now and we say, hands off our nation. We thank you for the sovereignty of this nation and we just thank you, God, that nothing else will be able to come against it. We do not give any of the leadership of this nation the permission to give away our sovereignty. We do not give you permission to work against what you have given as an oath to lead our nation and stand for Australia. And we call every leader, anyone in parliament that put their hand up and will not fight for the sovereign rights of this nation, we call them to account right now in Jesus' name. And I thank you, God, that you, we will see a manifestation of a turnaround in this nation, of pulling back everything that is rightfully ours. And we thank you for this great Southland of the Holy Spirit that we will see a manifestation, a revival in the hearts of this land. And we thank you, God, that you've called us to be the, the light bearers, the leaders, the pioneering nation and state. And may nothing take us off scroll. And thank you, God, for everyone hearing this message that you will be reminded of your part to play. This doesn't happen externally and expecting others. I thank you, God, that our hearts would be consecrated and saying, God, you're the one that is gonna lead us to take our place and be risen up. I thank you, God, there'd be no fear of man moving forward and that there would only be the fear of you and what you wanna do in and through us, God. Thank you, we're so expectant for what you wanna do in this land. And we bless you for being the true treasure. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys. So, <laughs> Him, Him. Don't lose that that sight of that invitation and that excitement that I can feel and that expectation I can feel in the room. Just lay a hold of it, carve it out, be a good steward of what he's put in you today. Run with it. That's how this nation gets changed. And come Tuesday night, hopefully we'll have good news. Bye.